Good morning and a very warm welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And today, folks, I am joined by Reverend Irene. I went to visit her. She has celebrated her 94th birthday and we were catching up on various different topics. And as always, when I am with her, I had my little recorder on and we were recording the conversation. And so I'm inviting you today into parts of our conversation. And the first part of our conversation is about Adenon and about a book that Jim Houlihan went and wrote called The Great Law of Burr. Now this law, which was usually called the Law of the Innocents, dates back to 697 AD and is connected to Burr Town. The law gave protection to women, children, clerics and other non-arms-bearing people in time of strife and this was the first known law to actually come about in the history of Western Europe but Reverend Irene is going to share with us about her involvement in the project from the very beginning and then how this book came about a fascinating tale I'm sure you will agree so Reverend Irene tell me how did this all come about back in 97 um, well to start the story, I read in uh, a book about Adhavnan and his hagiography of Columba that they had a synod in Burr in 697. And I thought I'd be at home for that. And retiring in 92, I'd have five years to get to know people and to prepare for it. So I was going to try and organise something. And then I found that Margaret Hogan was interested and also Jim Houlihan. And we worked together and we had four or five more people on the committee. And we had a long weekend from, from Thursday to Sunday. And we had uh, different speakers and so on. And a good many people came to Burr that, you know, were visitors. I mean, they hadn't been before. So that was in 97. And since then, Jim has studied the law of Adhavnan, the great law of Burr, which was a very early attempt to protect women and children and clerics who were not armed. And the uh, story of this, the um, Lex... Innocentium, it's called, the Law of the Innocents, or the Great Law of Burr, or Adhavnan's Law. And Jim has done a, a study of it for a PhD and published his thesis. And it's now a textbook in a university in Dublin for people who are studying war and the laws of war. And the Geneva Convention... And the, these are the latest uh, in the series that began with this... Well, we think it began in Burr. There isn't a record of an earlier attempt to protect women in times of war. So he wrote this very academic book. You, It's very hard to read unless you're you know, making a study of it. So I said to him, why don't you write something popular? So that's what he wrote. And it's on sale in petrol stations or through the town. 
and in the castle uh, bookshop, a shop as well. But it it gives an idea of what Burr would have been like then. So how does St. Brendan the Elder and Adenon tie in with one another? Well, Brendan the Elder, he founded the monastery in Burr. And then Brendan the Navigator was associated with Clonfert. And there's a mermaid to his memory engraved on one of the pillars. It's a lovely little church, Clonfert, if you ever go out there. And with having several Brendans, they get confused sometimes. It's very nicely done, this book. Isn't it? Caroline Conway has done the artwork. I mean, we have no artwork surviving from that period, so that's all imaginary. I mean, there are some references here and there to clothes or fabric or something, but very little. And then Jim had a, a launch of this little book a fortnight ago, I think, in the library. And his nephew, who is the president of the, I think it's the High Court or Supreme Court, I don't know all the, the difference in them, he came down to launch it. But that cutting that out of the paper that I've got stuck in there in the front, no, not that, uh, that bit of paper, yes, the, the um, heading on that t- piece of paper is the kind of thing that... May 12th, warring Sudan sides, sign agreement to protect civilians while fighting continues. See, that's what we're still up against. Uh Adhavnan, um he walked through a field after a battle and there were women lying dead with babies in their arms still. And this moved him so much that he decided he was going to do something about it. And his mother encouraged him. But that's the sort of thing that still needs to be done. We'll come back to more of my conversation with Reverend Irene in a few moments, but just to let you know that that book is available. It's a beautiful little book called The Great Law of Burr, written by Jim Houlihan. And now you know the backstory to it. But let's pause for a moment for a time in the word as Charlize reads to us our lectionary psalm for this week, Psalm 68. We're reading from Psalm 68. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. May he blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God, may they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens bore down rain before God, the one of Sinai before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance, your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. 
Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Mount Zalman. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain, Mount Bashan, rugged mountain, why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is the God who saves. From the Sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan, I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that your feet may wade in the blood of your foes, while the tongues of your dogs have their share. Your procession, God, has come into view, the procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them the musicians, with them are the young women playing the timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is the little tribe of Benjamin leading them. There the great throng of Judah's princes. And there the princes of Zebulun and of Naphtali. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herd of the bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled, may the beast bring bars of silver, scattered the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Cush will submit herself to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God. His majesty is over Israel. His power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Midlands 103. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And today I am sharing with you a conversation that I had earlier in the week with Reverend Irene. And so we discussed various different topics. We've just been discussing a book written by Jim Houlihan called... The Great Law of Burr and the impact that Adenon had on society way back in 697 and is still having an impact in our world today through that law. Now, our conversation took a different turn and I asked Reverend Irene, what was it that the Lord had been laying on her heart of late? Nothing very much, tell you the truth. This is St. Matthias's day. You know about Matthias. He was the... The replacement apostle. Yeah, he was the replacement. And it was the last time that in, in the church that people were chosen by lot. After that, they relied more on 
the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But Matthias, the man he was up against in, in the voting, had three names. Tells you who his father was and his second name. So he distinguished enough to, you know, be the son of his father and to have a second name. And Matthias had just no name but Matthias. So I could imagine him coming from a lower stratum of society. But anyway, the thing is that we don't hear any more about Matthias. He was probably there on the day of Pentecost and he would have been there when they talked about the disciples, but we don't know him by name. And it makes you wonder whether the disciples were too hot off the mark if the Lord intended Paul to be the twelfth disciple, but he hadn't yet been converted. But they went ahead and chose Matthias. And Matthias didn't make, well, as I say, wasn't mentioned by name afterwards. So it makes me wonder whether Paul was intended to be the twelfth apostle. So I'd have to ask somebody when I get to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very interesting thought. Well, people in the church then were very like the people in the church now. And they could make a mistake. And it doesn't say they made a mistake, but um, I have a feeling that if they'd waited a little bit, uh, it would have been more obvious. So this is his day. As you say, he was the extra, the one that was chosen. One of the things that is exciting me these days is the five benefits that the Lord has given us, which I didn't know, to be quite frank, or at least I never recognised them. No, I didn't know them. I never saw them, shall we say, in a list like that before. But where it says in Psalm 103 and verse 2, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Yes. And then it goes on to list the five things. And they are that he has forgiven us of all of our sin, that he has healed us of all of our diseases, that he has redeemed our lives from the pit, that he has crowned us with love and compassion. And that he has satisfied the desires of our hearts with good things. And that the benefit of all of these five benefits is that the Lord is renewing our strength like that of the eagle. Yes. There are so many things like that that I think that we just miss. Well, they lived in a very different culture. And it's interesting there the references to birds and to wings. I'm I'm fascinated by the wings. And, well, you know, when you have hens and chickens, that the the wings of the mother hen uh, protect the infant chickens. And if the chicken goes astray, the mother calls it back. And they hide in under the wings... The wings keep them warm. Um, Then they go out and they eat and drink and come back again to the heat. But it's it's protection and it's warmth in particular. And then some birds taught their uh, the young ones to fly, using their wings. You know, holding them up 
and, and then let it sort of letting them fall and swooping underneath to get them if they were in danger. So the wings were used for teaching them to fly as well. But there are a lot of references to wings in the Psalms and a steadfast love and wings are very often in the same verse. So it's, uh, I was thinking about that, about the wings, and I think you could nearly preach a sermon about wings. And when we were children, my grandmother, when um, a goose uh, killed for uh, dinner every Sunday, starting from uh, Christmas, and after that, every Sunday, they worked their way through the flock of geese, and the wings of the geese were all dried on the hearth underneath an iron, and uh, it was to make sure that they were cooked. They didn't go rotten then. And the, the, the goose wings were used for dusting. It was, in, it was something that didn't need to be bought, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been thrown out had it not been used like that. And I can remember as a child seeing these wings about the house and they were used for dusting. Quite good for getting the dust out of crevices. But it's it's hard to think back into life as it would have been in the days when the psalmists were writing. But I, I've been wondering about the psalmist. Um, in some of the psalms, he's quite critical of his father and mother, you know, that they didn't look after him or they neglected him. And um, yet in the narrative about David and his parents, there's no mention of um, his father and mother neglecting him. And it, it's just that I, I can't see how the psalm is connected to David's life. And then it makes me question, did David write this psalm or was it somebody else that wrote it and used David's name? Well, David was someone who was prone to getting himself into a dark space mentally every now and then as, well, you know, he goes and speaks to his soul saying lines such as, Oh soul, why are you so downcast within me? Put your hope in God. Mm. Or even the line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So it wasn't that he wasn't someone who didn't suffer from depression and such things like that. You know, was it not possible that when he was in those darker moments that he saw... Maybe that he felt neglected, yes. Yeah, well, there are a few Psalms that feel are referencing that experience. But on the other hand, he came out of it very well. But I agree with you in regard to his relationship with his parents, because, for example, when he was on the run from Saul, as we were mentioning... His parents went and sought him out and went down to him at the cave of Macphila. And then he also went and made provision for them. So it goes to prove there was a good relationship. Yes, yes. Well, I think the parents were good to him. And yet in some of the Psalms, the Psalmist writes as if the parents had forgotten him. Midlands 183. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill where we are continuing 
to eavesdrop in on the conversation that I had with Reverend Irene during the week. The next thing that myself and Reverend Irene went and turned our attention to was having a time of communion. And in this section, we will be listening to Reverend Irene reading two hymns to us that are of meaning to her. And also, she and I read together through the prayer of thanksgiving as we fix our eyes on the Lord and what he has done for us. This is a prayer that is set for the Easter season in the Methodist worship book. And maybe you, like her, are unable to get to church or unable to get to Mass or any of these things. And so I would encourage you during this time to just close your eyes and think about the person of Jesus as we read through the prayer of thanksgiving that is used during this Easter season for communion. So, to set the stage, to get things rolling, here is Reverend Irene reading for us from the Old Methodist Hymn Book. Shall I read a communion hymn? Please. This is 760 in the Old Hymn Book. Saviour, and can it be that thou shouldst dwell with me? From thy high and lofty throne, throne of everlasting bliss, will thy majesty stoop down to so mean a house as this? I am not worthy, Lord, so foul, so self-abhorred, thee, my God, to entertain in this poor, polluted heart. I, a frail and sinful man, all my nature cries, depart. Yet come, thou heavenly guest, and purify my breast. Come, thou great and glorious King, while before thy cross I bow. With thyself salvation bring, cleanse the house by entering now. Amen. So explain to me what draws you to that hymn. I like the way Charles Wesley reveals how he's thinking and how he doesn't hold back and um, he might exaggerate a bit. But on the other hand, maybe that's how he felt. Mm-hmm. So what? which um, page are you on in the... I'm on page 169. It's the prayer of thanksgiving for Easter season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Blessing and honour, glory and power are rightly yours, all gracious God. By your creative word, you brought the world to birth. In your generous love, you made the human family, that we might see your glory and live forever in your presence. Blessing and honour, glory and power. Our rightly yours, O gracious God. When we wandered from you in our sin, you sought us with your steadfast love and did not give us up. In the fullness of time you sent your Son 
to be our Saviour and Deliverer. Made of flesh and blood, he lived our life and died our death upon the cross. Death could not hold him, and now he reigns at your right hand. Blessing and honour, glory and power are rightly yours, all gracious God. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we bless and praise your glorious name, saying, Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed indeed is the Lord Jesus Christ, who at supper with his friends took bread and gave you thanks, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup and gave you thanks, gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for everyone, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Dying, Dying, you you destroyed our our death. death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come come in glory. Therefore, Father, we celebrate this Passover of gladness. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Accept through him our great high priest, this our sacrifice of praise. Send your Holy Spirit that these gifts of bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of Christ. Gather us who share this feast into the kingdom of your glory, that with all your people in every time and place we may praise and worship you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. By By whom and and with whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, Heavenly Father, now and always. Amen. Alleluia. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. We meet the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Shall we have another hymn? Yes, please. Victim, this is number 771. Victim divine, thy grace we claim, while thus thy precious death we show. Once offered up a spotless lamb in thy great temple here below, thou didst for all mankind atone and standest now before the throne. Thou standest in the holy place, as now for guilty sinners slain. The blood of sprinkling speaks, and prays, all prevalent for helpless man. Thy blood is still our ransom found, 
and speaks salvation all around. We need not now go up to heaven to bring the long-sought Saviour down. Thou art to us already, thou art to all already given. Thou dost even now thy banquet crown. To every faithful soul appear and show thy real presence here. Amen. Amen. Midlands 103. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103, where we have been eavesdropping in on a conversation that myself and Reverend Irene were having earlier in the week, where we've been discussing many topics, some of those topics being the great law of Burr, that was brought into place by Adonon in regard to the protection of the innocent. We've been considering Matthias, we've been considering being raised up on eagles' wings, we've been considering various portions of the Psalms. We have spent time at the foot of the cross just going through the Easter story in the communion prayer of thanksgiving. And also listening to some of Reverend Irene's favourite hymns. And now we continue our conversation, dropping in into the discussion that we were having in regard to John chapter 14 and the following verses. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father and that you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. The verses that really speak to me are those of where God the Father and God the Son come and make their home with us. Make their home with you. Make their home with me. And not only that, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is already resident within you. And therefore, as a result, the Trinity together come and dwell with you. But the picture of the Father and the Son coming and making their home with us something that is really beautiful if we stop to consider it. And 
in John 14 when he, the Lord said, in my house are many mansions. Mm. And you think of the hundreds of thousands of believers. And there need to be an awful lot of mansions. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I sometimes think about the day of... Um, when they, uh, that Paul describes when uh, people will um, people be caught up in the air, you know, and they'll mm -hmm. all be lifted up. Yeah. Will we recognise each other? You know, will I be waving to you? <laughs> or to other people that I know mm. as I go up? You know, it's, it's hard putting it all together and trying to visualise it. Owen who I was talking to you about earlier, mm. he goes and speaks about the idea of entering into heaven, walking alongside someone like, like Paul. Mm. And Paul going and saying, turn around and going and saying, so what did you do for the Lord? Mm -hmm. And you already know his resume and what he did and how he was shipwrecked for mm. three times and stoned and all the different things mm. that he went through. And he goes, he says, you're just there going... Um, can we just let that pass? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So I'd say there'd be a lot of people queuing up to talk to Paul. Yes. But then we'll have all the answers when we're with him. You think so? Well, isn't that what Paul goes and says? Now we know in part, but then we shall mm -hmm, yes. be fully known. We shall behold him mm -hmm. face to face. Whatever it will be, I think it will be a wondrous prospect mm -hmm. to meet the Lord face to face. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, in one of Bishop Ken's um, hymns, he talks about the awful day um, to, that we may rise joyful on the awful day. And I, I change that when I'm go, going over it, and I put it in, in um, no rise glorious on that awful day. But um, I put in a joyful day instead of awful day. Mm -hmm. But I don't know whether I'm doing that right or not. But if if I if I feel that a hymn doesn't express things properly, I, <laughs> I, I change it, I edit it. But I, I don't like other people editing hymns. Uh, Thomas Ken, he's the one that wrote Glory to Thee, My God, this night, which is a very useful evening prayer. Although we're only beginning the day, let us finish by listening to the words of that hymn that Reverend Irene has just spoken of. And may it be our prayer by the time that the sun does set upon your day today. Glory to thee, my God, this night, for all the blessings of the light. Keep me, O keep me, King of kings, beneath thine own almighty wings. Forgive me, Lord, for thy dear Son, the ill that I this day have done, that with the world, myself and thee, I ere I sleep, at peace may be. Teach me to live, 
that I may dread the grave as little as my bed. Teach me to die, that so I may rise glorious at the judgment day. O may my soul on thee repose, and may sweet sleep mine eyelids close, sleep that shall me more vigorous make to serve my God when I awake. When in the night I sleepless lie, my mind with heavenly thoughts supply, let no ill dreams disturb my rest, no powers of darkness me molest. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above ye heavenly hosts, praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Folks, all that's left for me to say is thank you for listening to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me and with Reverend Irene. And I pray that you have been blessed. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>